Hey, everybody. Welcome to the You Were Born for This podcast with Father John Ricardo. I'm your host, Father John. I'm the executive director at Acts 29, where we talk about anything and everything having to do with transforming the church. And as usual, I'm here as we draw ever closer to Christmas with Nick and Mary. How you guys doing? Doing great, Father. Doing awesome today. Get all your shopping done? Uh, no. Oh, I, 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 I can say I have. Is that what happens me... all about shopping? So I've been doing a lot of my shopping on Amazon, and my Amazon deliveries are delayed. Second Coming of Jesus brought to you by Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, you shopping? You know, uh, I'm getting better. So, you know, years ago, I would shop on my birthday, December 23rd. Uh, sometimes, but I keep moving we'll the days back, that, right? so I'm getting closer and closer <laughs> to to shopping ahead of time. So I am I've done some. I have more to do. That's great. How about you, Father? Uh yeah. Uh, I think I'm mostly done actually, but uh, I don't buy a awful lot for an awful lot of people. I buy some special things for special people, and yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, beautiful. And maybe a gift or two for me. Well, <laughs> it's all about me. <laughs> it's all about you. Nick, Thank what's you our so topic much. today? Thanks, Mary, for bringing <laughs> us back in. Uh, really, I said, Mary, that's awesome. So today's topic is the mission, the mission, the mission. We are talking about getting clear on the mission that we all uniquely have and the timeliness of this mission because it's we're about to hit the Christmas season, and this is actually the best time, we would argue, to preach on the mission of the church. So, Father John, to do that, will you open this podcast in prayer? Yeah, let's do that. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, Amen. Lord, as we get uh, ever closer to the great feast of the incarnation of your Son, we ask that your Spirit would help us to understand more fully why it is he became man and what it is that he's calling us to do what the purpose of the church is and how urgent this is in these days that we find ourselves that you've chosen for us to live in but we pray in a very particular way even now for all those who are going to preach the gospel in the days and weeks ahead may your spirit anoint them that they might preach and proclaim with power and that minds and hearts might be enlightened so that we might understand more fully what it is that uh, Jesus has done for us and what it is that he's asking of us. All this we ask through Christ our Lord. Amen. 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 In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So, hey, I just want to give a shout out as we begin to uh, two sisters who I want to say are great friends of ours, even though they probably don't know that they're great friends of ours, because we talk about them all the time. All the time. And they don't know that. So huge shout out to, to Major Sharon and to Major Stephanie. Yeah, the uh, United States Marine Corps. Yeah, let's abs- let's talk about. Woo. One. What did they tell us? One percent of the Marine Corps are women. Are women. So uh, and they're uh, remarkable. Yeah. So sisters, we just want to give you a huge thanks. Uh, we had a about what an hour, two hour conversation mm-hmm. with them. We did a couple months ago, maybe. And you shared a whole set of thoughts with us, and we repeat what you shared with us over and over and over and over. And it's been really helpful for the, the way we think as well. And so uh, we really want to draw on their um, wisdom to us to try to talk about the mission, the mission, the mission, right? Right. So, Father, why don't you share the expression that they're keen to use? Yeah, so they were talking about how, uh, most especially when things are challenging, right, when you're in war or Mm -hmm. when you're in situations where things just seem like they're falling apart, it's Mm -hmm. really, really essential to have clarity on the blank in the expression, we're doing X in order to blank, 
right? And so if I don't have clarity on the why are we doing this in order to what, then it's, it's likely that everything's going to fall apart. Mm-hmm. Morale's going to go down. I'm going to be confused. The mission's not going to seem valuable, whatever it is. So we use that expression over and over again now when we're talking to bishops and priests, mainly with regards to, I don't think, we don't think, huh, as a, as a team, that most Catholics have clarity on the answers to the questions that look something like this. God became a man in order to what? Mm. Jesus sends us out as disciples in order to what? <laughs> the, the mission of the church, you know, it exists in order to what? You know, a pair of staff exists in order to what? So there's so much ambiguity or lack of clarity about this. And these days that we're living in right now, Christmas, and then the weeks afterwards, this is an exceptional time for all of us, priests, parish staff, people in the pews. Let's try to get clarity and and ask the Holy Spirit to bring us into alignment with God's answers to those questions, right? So we're going to unpack that a little bit as we talk about this podcast, but maybe to set this up, Mary, I know you got a... um, this is a really telling statistic, right, that we've come across, re-come across uh, somewhat recently, right, from a book. Right. So um, you and I had the privilege of meeting Pastor Rick Warren in London when we were uh, there for an Alpha conference a set that of years like ago. A name drop. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, there's Pastor Warren. How you doing? Yeah. Here's my photo up of Pastor you remember me? Rick Warren. No. no, I have no idea who you are. Anyway, you guys, there's his book he wrote called The Purpose Driven Church. And in his book, um, he quotes a survey that was done with something like, what, a thousand churches. Mm. And uh, the results of that survey were that church members surveyed, 89% said that the church's purpose is to take care of my families and my needs. And only 11% said that the purpose of the church is to win the world for Jesus Christ. And then of the pastors that were surveyed, 90% said that the purpose of the church was to win the world for Jesus Christ, and 10% said that it was to care for the needs of the members. That's a significant problem. Wow. Sounds like serious misalignment, right? Wow. So we we have basically a significant majority... Sort of like, if you will, in the pew. Almost unanimous. Almost unanimous saying, <laughs> Nine hey, out of 90%. Hey, this, this, this church and you, Father, exist uh, to serve my needs and oh. my family's needs. And then we have, on the flip side, 90% of pastors basically saying the church exists for those who aren't here. That's a massive disconnect. Yeah, absolutely. So let's, let's try to, you know, you, you can't see uh, through uh, podcast, obviously, but to try to try to picture this visual. So we, we talk oftentimes about thinking concentrically. So you got all these circles, right? So small circle in the center, bigger circle around that, bigger circle around that, another circle around that. So imagine, if you will, that at the very center of these concentric circles is the pastor. And then around him, maybe he, he has uh, what we often refer to as his one, right? So a lot of our brothers and sisters uh, in church ministry, they often talk about, like, who's your one, who's your three, who's your 12? Great little side note, brothers who are priests. Like, pray for a one, a three, and a 12. That's, Very biblical, That's right? biblical wisdom. Absolutely. Like Jesus has a one. 
it's either Peter or John, depending upon you, how you look at it, right? Then it's, he's got a three, Peter, James, and John. He's got a 12, that's the apostles. He's got a 72, whatnot. So most priests, we often feel just overwhelmed. I'm doing it all my own. So the center of the circle, it's the, it's the priest. Around him is his one, if he's got one. Around that is the staff. Right. If he's got one. A lot of guys don't have one. Most parishes have 2.5. Right. The average guy, not much of a circle. So it's a small circle, right? Then outside of that are kind of like key ministry leaders, you know, could be head of the parish council, finance council, different commissions that parishes have, you know, worship, religious yep. ed, yep. things like that, evangelization and discipleship. Outside of that are various other key leaders in the parish. Outside that, people in the pews. Outside that, uh, the, the inactive members of the parish. Right. Outside that... The fallen away, outside that, the lost, outside that, the world, right? Yeah. So here's the thing. So we often talk about, and you know, people know the uh, Stephen Covey way of thinking. You know, you have a circle of control, Mm -hmm. a circle of influence, Mm -hmm. and then a circle of concern. Yeah, exactly. Most of us spend a lot of time worried about the circle of concern. Oh, man. We spend way too much time. Our minds get boggled by it because most of the time it's what we're hearing in the news. Right. So I'm, I'm like all bent out of shape about a ton of things that I have absolutely no control or influence over, right? I remember when the priest abuse scandal first started in, in 02, I mean, I found myself just getting into arguments with the writers of the New York Times. <laughs> and I was just in a horrible mood, and I felt like the Lord said, you know, no one's talking back with you. You're, you're not actually dialoguing with anybody here. Mm. You're just giving so yeah. much of your attention to this issue. Turns out the issue is very true. I don't mean to minimize this or belittle it in any way, but it's an, it's an example of lots of times we're just emotionally exhausted by things that we really can't do anything at all about other than pray. Right, and sometimes they're keeping us up at night. Right, exactly. It's, which is, which, so, so it's kind of ridiculous when we think about the circle of concern that we spend that much energy on something we have no control over because that next ring down from that. Yeah, we can impact, right? So the circle of influence, so I'm thinking, let's think uh, parish-wise again right now, right? So the circle of concern would be um, the lost, uh, most of the fallen away, um, some of the inactives, you know, the world, you know, mm-hmm. trying to reach the world. Um, I can't do much about those. Circle of influence, I can impact some of those, right? I can influence my staff. The people who work alongside me, serve alongside me. I can influence key ministry leaders. I can influence the people in the pews. Who can I control? One person. Me. Mm-hmm. So now keep try to picture this these circles again. So you got pastor in the center. Around mm-hmm. him uh, are all these things he can potentially influence. Outside of that are these concerns he has. Now picture arrows. And all of the arrows are pointing inwards to the pastor. In other words, everybody is expecting him to be the means by which everything gets done. And oftentimes, I'm expecting that of myself too. Like this all falls on me. And so when we show this to the brothers, we just showed this to, the, to a set of guys last week. There's just this crushing weight, mm. right? As they see this, it just looks like I'm getting assaulted by all these demands and everybody's expecting me to fix it. 
Yeah, it's a visual I think they could all relate to. I think when they saw that, uh, when we presented that to them last week, you could almost feel the weight, the crushing weight. Like, oh my gosh, like that is my life. Like I'm expected to answer the need of every person that emails me, that calls me, that comes into my office, and who I'm preaching to in the pews. Solve the church's problems. Fix what's going on with, you know, soon-to-be President Biden. Um, Fix what's going on with the bishops. Fix what's going on with the archdiocese. Fix, 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 fix. And and the guys just look like, thanks be to God, somebody knows what we feel. I'm crushed. Yeah. Uh, I think think sometimes even guys are, are, are saying to themselves, I don't even know what I'm feeling. And then you show them something like this, and things start to, they start to have like that, that oh, this makes sense. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, you know, like, so when you're undiagnosed by the doctor, like, you have, I have a problem. It's mm-hmm. currently undiagnosed. You've got some symptoms. It gives you, yeah, it gives, <laughs> yeah. You, it gives you a little anxiety because you're like, I don't, I don't know what the problem is. Even when, that, when the problem isn't what you wanted to hear, it's actually just clear. It just feels good. It feels a, just slightly relieving to know, like, I actually know what I have now. Right. So when we, sh- when we show this to guys, it's like, Oh, that's what's going on. Yep. It's relieving to identify what the problem is. So the key, this is what we're talking about. This, that's the whole point of this episode. Somehow, all of those arrows, which are currently pointing in to the parishes, because remember the stat that Mary just read off, 89% of the people in the pews think the pastor and the staff and all the commission heads and all the committees, they exist to meet their needs. In other words, the people in the pews think of themselves as consumers. Mm. And you're there to, to serve my needs. Product and, to, and to serve my needs, right? Somehow, all of the arrows have to get turned outward, starting with me. Right. As the pastor. Yeah, can you say more about that? Like, what, like as a pastor, like, what's that, what's that like? Meaning what? So, you know, in our own minds, we can get turned inward. Like, 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 oh, I am responsible for this, right? So if the community around me is kind of pointing at me and asking me these questions, I start to all of a sudden, even incidentally, fall into this trap maybe of thinking this way. Yeah, so I think for me, because I always try to think biblical examples. Mm-hmm. You know, like I need an example, Lord, from Scripture to help me think rightly. And so I remember um, when I was uh, made pastor maybe the second time, maybe six, nine months into the parish, it was a large parish, and I felt like the, the passage that the Lord brought back to mind again was uh, the passage in the Old Testament when Moses' father-in-law comes up to Moses and says, this is a paraphrase, uh, you, sir, are a dum-dum. <laughs> and Moses is like, what do you mean? <laughs> He's like, because you're handling every single situation. Hmm. Moses is like, well, isn't that what I'm supposed to do? He goes, no, you're wearing the people out and you're killing yourself. Hmm. So what do I need to do? You need to ask God to give you 70 wise men to help shoulder mm. the burden. Yeah. And so I remember when the Lord brought that to mind, because it doesn't take long to feel crushed. Right. Right? And so I just started to pray. I used to walk around the inside of the church, and I would pray, and I'd just say, Lord, I, I don't know these people here. I need you to bring me 70 wise men and women to help shoulder this load. And that's how the arrows in my own life, it's like, okay, first of all, Scripture reminded me this isn't all on me. Mm-hmm. First of all, it's all on God. I'm supposed to be a co-laborer with him. Somehow, like, God's condescension invites us to partner with him, right? He doesn't need me, but he chooses to use me and you. So, okay, it's good to know this isn't on me. It's John the 23rd's famous prayer, Lord, it's your church. 
I did my best. I worked hard. I'm going to bed. <laughs> you know, like right. you, you take care of it. And then you start looking for the people to help shoulder this. Mm. Father John, can I share something with you? So when we were at the parish that we last served at together, you knew the weight that I was feeling. And you said to me, have you prayed for 70 wise men or women? And I said, no, I haven't. So I took that um, to heart, and I prayed, I mean, in earnest, before God, bring me laborers for the harvest. Mm. And I have to tell you, and he did, and Mm. almost immediately, that was never even on my mind, because I had a different mindset at that time. You do have a sense sometimes that there's just not enough people out there. But when you pray, God delivers And he's faithful, and he hears our prayers, and we know that enough just in our own mission here. That was a game changer for me at the parish, Father. Sometimes we hear from people, right, in in, uh, parish life, um, there's nobody here. I have nobody. I got no no volunteers. I got no staff. It's like, I hear that. I don't buy it. Hmm. Because God has people, right? God never asks us to do it all. So if, 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 especially if you're a priest out there listening to that, it's like, yeah, I, I don't know that I believe that anymore. Like, I, I just dare you. Beg God. Lord, I need, give me at least a one if I don't have a one. You know, if I got right. a one, give me a three. Give me a 12. <laughs> Bring me people to help shoulder the load. God wants to do this because he doesn't want any of us to carry this alone. He right? wants it more than us. Yeah, right? he wants it more That's than right. we do. That's Absolutely. Huge. So all this is to say, so talking about these circles, concern, influence, control, the arrows, if you will, like the weight of everybody thinking the church exists just for them. All this stuff is to say, the point of this podcast, the mission, the mission, the mission, the way in which we start to get those arrows to start moving out. And what we mean by that is to start getting myself as the leader, the people around me, the influence, to all start looking out to the world for the mission is to talk about the mission, to get clear about what the mission is. And I know, Father John, you're just... Yeah, so let's, get, let, so let, let's start this. with the mission of Jesus, right? So oftentimes, you know, we, we talk a lot about vision, mission, and whatnot. We're just firmly of the mind, right, that um, the, the vision, so mission flows from vision. And it, as far as I'm concerned personally, and I think we are too as, a, as an entity, the, 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 the key is you don't have to come up with your own vision and mission as a disciple. The right. key is you have, to, you have to acquire God's vision and mission. Like, God has a vision. His vision, he wants his children back. Right? So, what's the mission that flows from that? Well, the Father sends the Son. Hmm. So, a way to think about this is, thinking of our our good friends, uh, Sharon and Stephanie, God became a man in order to what? Well, he didn't become a man in order to tell stories. He didn't become a man in order to tell us to be nice. He didn't become a man in order to do miracles. He did miracles. He told stories. He wasn't nice. He was kind. God became a man, the way we often say it is, to go to war. Hmm. Right? God became a man to recreate his creation, to restore it, and, and to do more than to restore it, to bring it to a place that was, that's even higher than the perfection that existed in Eden. How did he do that? He did that by binding the strong man, Satan, by conquering the powers of sin and death, and by sending his spirit into our lives, all accomplished by his death in his glorious resurrection from the dead. Huh? That, so we need, in Christmas, this, this is a really a shout out to, uh, to my brothers as priests, like right now, like start thinking about 
making sure the people in the pews, and more than the pews because of technology and the capacity that we have during COVID, kind of ironically, to reach more people than we normally would because most people aren't coming into the church physically. They're going to listen in or watch in another way. Start praying, Lord, give me a way to communicate the mission of Jesus so that everybody, when they're looking at their crash, you know, their manger scene, Jesus lying there, they have certainty about the question, why did God become a man? Because most people don't have it. And if I don't have that, nothing else is going to make sense, right? So everything's going to flow from there. So yeah. that's the first one. What's the second one? The second one, Father, is Jesus sends us out as disciples in order to do what? Make money? <laughs> you know, we, we talk about this all the time. Like, like Jesus sends us out as disciples in order to, I could answer that a thousand ways. He sends us out as disciples in order to make disciples. He sends us out on a rescue mission. Because if we've experienced rescue, it's your task and mine to go out and rescue people and to tell everybody the enormous difference that Jesus makes in my life. Yeah, and one of the ways that I think of it uh, that's helpful for me, because again, I'm thinking biblically oftentimes, is um, Matthew 5, Jesus says, you know, no one lights a lamp and puts it underneath a basket. Why? Because right. that, that would be stupid, stupid right? Mm -hmm. I mean, the basket would catch on fire, and right. it defeats the whole purpose of lighting a lamp. You light a lamp so it would shine. He says, no, 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 you, you take a lamp and you put it on a stand where it gives light to everybody in the house. And we've talked about this before, right? The word he uses in Greek, it's liknos, which we just like saying all the time. I like time. how you say that. <laughs> oh, that's a, uh, you have a very nice liknos in the uh, living room. I see there. Can you say that again, please? So it's, a it's this little tiny portable oil lamp, right? And so who's the lamp? You are, are as the disciple, yeah. right? Whose hand picks it up? That would be Jesus. What's the stand? Wherever you happen to be at any particular moment, what's the house? The world, right? And so the mission of the disciple is to shine. It's almost like Jesus says, I did not put my spirit inside you so that you would hide it. Right? Right. So, so Jesus, to be sure, I mean, we, we got to say this. The, the first call of the disciple is to be with Jesus. Right? He calls us to be with him. But he, but he sends us out afterwards because there's, there's mission to do. Right? So he calls us to be with him, to know him. And then he sends us out because he wants others to know him because he's the only one who's the remedy for sin and death, right? So right. everybody's under the power of sin and death. And so this mission that belongs to us as disciples is urgent because there is no hope apart from what Jesus has done by his death and resurrection. There's none. But there's more. There's more than just the mission of Jesus there is. and the mission of the disciples. This is like the Ginsu knife. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, but just just a quick word before we switch to this next one. You, you just said it, but I just want to say it again in another way. So often as disciples, we're, we're focused on growing in holiness, growing in the life of virtue, which is extremely important. That's the being with Jesus part you just mentioned. Mm -hmm. but, but that's not where it ends. Right. It's not to hunker down and be holy. It's to go and get his world back, as we love to say. And so... The role of the disciple is to be with so that we can go out. So be holy so that you're, you can impact the world and get it back for the Lord. I just, I just want to... Yeah, no, thanks you know. for bringing that up. And it's worth just uh, maybe uh, reinforcing that even more, right? Because I think there's such a temptation for many of us as, as we, quote, unquote, watch the world go to hell. <laughs> that I, I'm, I'm just going to duck and hide and get out of here. 
I think what we do, Father, as I'm listening to you, Nick, we do the Jesus and me two step. That's that vertical relationship. Yeah. Right? And so it's like someone who passes you, you know, a serving of something at a table and your response is, no, no thanks, I'm all set. Like with Jesus and me, I'm all set. But what about everybody else who hasn't heard the most amazing Mm. news Mm. that you know are desperate and hopeless and dying for that news? The world is not all set. Yeah, the world is not all set. And again, we just want to keep stressing this. The message of the gospel is urgent. This is not a nice little, like, superfluous (laughs) add-on. You, the, the human race, has no hope apart from what God has done for us in his son. If God does not become a man to bind the strong man and defeat the powers of sin and death, you are stuck in endless, eternal frustration. It's called hell, right? So that's why the mission is so urgent. So we're looking at circles, right? So now we're starting with the mission of Jesus, going out from there, the mission of the disciple. What about the mission of the parish staff? Yeah, so, so the mission of the parish staff. So the, in order just to buy gifts for the pastor, right? <laughs> no, probably not. <laughs> They're just his sounding board, just there to just there to help him out, humor me, support him. Yeah. So, the, so the mission of the parish staff is to be an extension of the pastor, right? To equip the saints for the work of ministry. So, so the staff is supposed to be equipping the lay faithful in the pew so that they can go out and get God's world back. I thought the staff was supposed to meet my needs as the consumer and member oh, of the parish. <laughs> That's right. Please file, send your complaint in so I can serve you yeah. more. No, you mean you're supposed to be mobilizing me as a parishioner to actually go out and do something? Yes. Ooh. And, and I think, and I, you know, I want to empathize just for a second with, with staffs out there, right? I mean, if you're a staff member or, or just like a lay leader in the, in the parish, like, this is hard. Because, you know, we won't get into this right now. We, we talk about this a lot. Like, the system we're, we're living in in the church right now is built in such a way that for a different time. And so some of the structures and ways we're operating are not, not, not built for us to do this very easily. And so it's a real challenge to have this very outward-looking mindset. But that's, that's the key. We have to have an outward-looking mindset. Okay. So the parish staff exists in order to equip people to be, we often would say this, to be agents of transformation, recreation, healing, leaders of the resistance, and our favorite from C.S. Lewis, agents of sabotage, right? With the weapons of truth and goodness and beauty and dignity and all that. We don't want to belabor that. Okay. What about the parish? Let's fill in the blank. The parish exists in order to what? We like N.T. Wright. We love N.T. Wright. How's how's Wright put it? He says... um, we're supposed to see the parish as a microcosmos of the world to come. Isn't that a great expression? No, microcosmos. What does that mean? I read that a couple years ago. I was just moved by it. What's it mean? So micro, meaning small. Smaller. Right? Mm. Cosmos, meaning like universe, right? The cosmos. So a small world, if you will, a small, a, a, a small version of the world to come. Ah, so almost like a taste of heaven. Taste of heaven. Ooh, I like that. So pretty fitting right now, huh? The culture's... And fuego, we would say, right? The culture's on fire, quite literally, in some places. And it's longing for real love, mm. genuine unity, genuine diversity, forgiveness, uh, charity. Care for the sick. So much more, right? So right. The, the world around us is longing yeah. to see these things. They're supposed to recognize them in us, in the church. Yes. Right? The yes. church is supposed to be, the parish is supposed to be both... Um, 
an assembly of believers who are sent out from every mass, right? Ite misa est, the, the, right. she is sent. That's the ending of the mass in Latin, right? Who's the she? The church. Who's the mm. church? You. Mm. You're sent. What are you sent to do? Go tell people about what Jesus has done. Tell them about his mission. Go shine. Go, go be an agent of recreation right. and transformation and healing and resistance and sabotage so as to attract people back into the walls of the church where they can be gathered around the altar, where they can hear the scriptures proclaimed, where they can ultimately come to meet Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament, and then they can be sent out, right? That's a massive mindset shift. Totally. Because we think everything happens in the walls of the church. We think the mission territory is confined to the walls— of the parish, but in reality, we leave the minute we walk mm. out our parish doors, we are entering what? Mission territory. Right, that's right. So maybe the, the way we would often talk about it in the parish, right? So the, the mission of the parish, right? The parish exists in order to, Acts chapter 17 would say, turn the world upside down. Yeah. That's what the early church did. It turned the world upside down. That was what people said about Paul. This man is turning the world upside down. By proclaiming the gospel, by being this agent of transformation and recreation, everything is being restored to the Father's original intention. And because of that, it's very attractive and very threatening all at once. That's what we're supposed to be. That's right. We're supposed to be the antidote to all the world's ills, right? Mm -hmm. So all the poison, all the mm -hmm. toxin. Like, and, 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 and the great thing is, you know... Um, uh, so we talk about signs and wonders too. Like mm -hmm. Signs and wonders is a part of this. Like mm -hmm. God still heals today, internal and like like wounds of the heart and the mind and the soul, but also wounds of the body. Yes, that's he supposed does. to be happening. But it's that same power that would do something that we might be like in awe of, like a physical healing. That's that same power that enables us to forgive someone mm -hmm. and to reconcile relationships. Mm -hmm. And so, to be an agent of sabotage by unifying relationships, by healing the mm -hmm. world, by speaking the truth courageously to call the world to conversion. I mean, this is all, you can't do this apart from God. That's right. And you could there can. be a greater call on your life no. than that? What is more exciting? What is more compelling? What is more life-giving than what you just talked about? So let's bring this home. Let's try to help people understand, like from a perspective maybe of a, a, a member in the pews, maybe somebody who serves on a staff, and then maybe from someone's perspective uh, who's a, a pastor or an associate, like, how, what what can I do with all this? Like, how can I foster greater clarity in the mission, work towards greater clarity in the mission? Yeah, so from the parishioner's perspective, um, it, it's it's just what we were talking about. It's these using these, these, these like, if you will, tools of as a Christian, you know, love, care, um, unity, forgiveness, reconciliation, all this stuff, to bring that into the place of your marriage or your family, your workplaces, schools. I mean, we could just keep, those can go on and on. The public square, sports. Are you a coach? Are you coaching with, with the Christian mindset? You know, it should look different. Can I get even more fundamental? Yeah. How about ask yourself, are you a consumer? There you go. Or to use Archbishop Vigneron's language, are you simply a bystander? Yeah, are you a bystander? Because I have to be really honest, you guys. I was a bystander. Even as I first came to know Jesus Christ. Like, I still didn't understand the mission. I was maybe still in that Jesus and me two-step thing. So I've been there as a bystander. I've been there as a consumer because I didn't understand the mission. Yeah, so do you? So maybe just ask yourself, do, do I understand, Do I maybe even more, do I believe that the pastor and the parish staff, that they exist to serve me and my family's needs? Do I 
do I conduct myself as a consumer of a product? Now, to be sure, like the parish is there to, to minister to you. I don't want like, by all means they are, right? But the parish exists to reach the people who don't belong yet. So I got to make sure that my mindset is in alignment with the, the right mission of the right. parish as a whole. Right, and the mission of a disciple. And I would, get, I would guess that a lot of people sitting in the pews are dying to know that they have a mission. And it's the pastor's responsibility, right, to communicate their mission. They were all part of this grand rescue mission for the world. Right, so I mean, there, there's the pastor's part of the, his task, right, just to make sure, like, see these days and these weeks that we're in right now, leading into Christmas, Christmas, the weeks after, over-communicate all these things, right? I mean, we just know from research, uh, like, every study that's been done shows some uh, semblance of the rule of sevens, right, that a person needs to hear something seven times before I begin to take action, mm -hmm. right? And so, you know, oftentimes as a, as a priest, you know, I'm preaching and I'm thinking, Oh, shoot, I mentioned that like four months ago, as if anybody remembers what I said four months ago, right? So <laughs> you, you got to just continue to repeat these things. So see Christmas as a, ch a chance to preach the mission of Jesus. Why did the Father send the Son? See the weeks afterwards as an opportunity to preach the mission of the disciple flowing from the mission of Jesus. And the, those weeks as well as a chance to preach about the mission of the parish so that what we're doing is we're bringing everything into alignment. We want people to have clarity on the answers to God became a man in order to what? Jesus sends us out in order to what? Our parish exists in order to what? So fathers, use these days well. And for me, in a real practical way, that means when we preach, don't let our aim be simply to inspire. Mm -hmm. By all means, we want to inspire, but especially now, we want to mobilize people. I want to help you understand something, and then I want to send you out. I remember a good friend of mine, he, used to, he said to me like three, four years after I was ordained, he, we went out for coffee one day, he says, yeah, you know, Padre, I love your homilies, they're really great, but you don't give me anything to do. That was helpful feedback. It was great feedback. He's like, give me something to do every week. Don't just inspire me, like activate me to change. And so I've always tried to do that as a priest. I, I wouldn't have done that without his feedback. Right now, let's mobilize people. huh? So see preaching in, in that particular way. Yeah. What, what about parish staff? Yeah, I mean, right off the bat, the question is, are we, are we set up to facilitate a consumer mentality? You know, in other words, are, are we set up to get the results that we're getting? Right. I mean, that's huge. So maybe, you know, like, a lot of parishes are going to begin to, it's going to get crazy and that's going to kind of die down a little bit. Hopefully you're going to get a chance to breathe over the Christmas holiday. But maybe we enter back into the first week of 2021 and we just make some time to, to sit down. If we can gather live, great. If not, do it remotely. How do we begin to turn the arrows? Father, what can I do if some part of the staff? I want to help you in your task of equipping the saints for the work of ministry. How can we turn the arrows out? What can we do? And we said, what do we want to do? We want to pray, just like um, a pastor is going to ask the Lord to, like, Lord, give me 70 wise men and women. Let's sit and pray intentionally as a staff with Father and say, Lord, we need ideas. Inspire us. Show us. Help us to know what we can concretely do. Mm -hmm. Huh? Beautiful. Great. So, parting word. Christmas is coming. What do you got? Two things. Yeah. First thing for me, so... Christmas is this great time to preach for the lay faithful, 
um, who aren't preaching. <laughs> the, the, the reality well, preaching is, in other ways. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah certainly. But um, we're, we're going to have to do a lot of Christmas sort of liturgical stuff in our homes to, to really worship and celebrate. We have a video on our home landing page right now. It's 20 minutes. I think it's a fantastic preaching of the gospel, the story, the story of why he landed. So if you go to our website, acts29.org, A-C-T-S, X-X-I-X.org, right there, just scroll down a little ways, there's a video, take you to YouTube probably, and just watch that. I, I, would, I would encourage you even at Christmas, watch that with your family. It's 20 minutes long, it's engaging, I think you'll love it, and that is the story. And that from there, from Christmas, getting the story right, getting clear on why he came, now you can know what you're supposed to do. That's I my, love that. Yeah. Great word. Mary, how about you? Parting word? Maybe one thought is, as we put nativity scenes up in our house and we go visit um, the creches in our parishes, as we stand there as a family, or even as we're approaching uh, the nativity scene, um, with some of our friends and family members who don't know the Lord, be able to explain to them why Jesus is lying in a trough. Mm, I love that. Like, why is he there? And use very, very simple language, language that sounds something like, like, baby, he did that for you. He sees you, Mm. and you matter, and he has a plan for your life. Mm. And this isn't all there is. Because the days in which we're living right now, it's laden with hopelessness. I can think of no richer time uh, than to be able to tell those in our, amongst our family and friends who don't have a clue why Jesus is laying in a manger. I I was just thinking as you were saying that, Mary, like it's just a really helpful thing. I I love the Socratic method, you know, where you just keep asking questions. You know, says you approach that manger scene, whether it's in a house or a church, just ask the question, do you know why he's there? You know why he came? And let them answer. You know, like, no, I don't have a clue. If you ever want to talk about it, let me know. And you just leave it there. Right? And then you know if they come back to you, you want to talk. Right? It's a great point. It's just an easy way to do it. As you're saying that, maybe a parting word for me might be something as simple as this. I'm always thinking of St. Francis. You know, Francis prayed at one point something to the effect of, Lord, I want to, I want to know the love that moved you to become man to save humanity. And then shortly thereafter, Francis is marked with the stigmata, the wounds of Jesus in his hands and his side. Like, I just want to encourage us who, who uh, you know, do know the Lord. Maybe these uh, days are great days to just say, Lord, I, w- I want to grow in conformity to your heart. I want to feel what you feel for humanity, mm-hmm. most especially the humanity that's around me, so that I too will be moved to act and to respond and to try to help people. That's beautiful, Father. Yeah. So we're these are extraordinary days that we're entering into. Everything outside looks like it's falling apart. Here's the truth. It's not. God saw all this when he made the world. He knows everything that's happening. He's not anxious. He's not afraid. So don't you be afraid either. The God who made the world, the God who became man so as to rescue the world is with you. And you were born for this. 